Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Sonia Leeson and you're listening to the Love Mondays podcast, The Power of Resilience, stories of struggle and success from inspiring entrepreneurs. In this series, I will be interviewing business leaders, entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about their incredible true life stories and how they overcame adversity to build a killer business that makes a real difference in the world. Stay tuned to learn more about their game changing strategies, which took them from struggle to success. On this month's podcast, I speak to Tracy Cornelius, speaker, fellow podcaster, business and mindset coach, and also mum to five girls. Tracy's story is really amazing and one that includes ending a company through bankruptcy and at the opposite end of the spectrum, starting as a cleaner around her children and eventually taking over that company and selling it in a very lucrative deal. Tracy tells us of her twists and turns and how she overcame many struggles to become the success that she is today. Hi there, Tracy. How are you? Hi. Thanks very much for having me on. That's okay. Thanks very much for coming on. So we've had a little chat before and you have got a really, really fascinating story. So I'm really, really pleased to have you on the podcast. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So hi to everybody. My name is Tracy Cornelius. I am a business and mindset coach. I'm also the mum to five uh, gorgeous, intelligent, courageous, yet extremely challenging girls. Uh, (laughs) They are aged, it's so true, very independent too, uh, aged 21, 7, 6, 4 and 3. Wow. I've I know that everybody says that they're like, wow. wow. (laughs) Um, And there's a unique story to that as well, but maybe that's for another time. We'll come on to that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've run numerous different businesses, uh, which is what's kind of led me to where I am today. And I'm not quite sure really where you want me to start with that. So, (laughs) okay. So you are a coach. Yeah kind of got you into that actually start at the beginning how did you get into business and how did you well end up with five girls as managing that as well as this okay so um business uh, actually business kind of almost found me rather than me finding business so I was in a relationship where my partner was a pilot so he would work away all the time Kaisha was very little so this was like pre like preschool or anything else like that And I had this need, if you like, to want to feel as though I was being worthwhile, as though I was contributing. Now, of course, at the time, I didn't kind of understand that that was like such the driving force. I just thought I was trying to be helpful and and all that type of stuff. But obviously, a nine till five wasn't really going to suit. We didn't really have any other family to be able to help take care of Kaisha. And obviously, with Nick working away all the time, you're left with this, oh, how do you Mm. find something that's going to suit? So I remember thinking, right, okay, well, there's got to be an answer. And that's when I very first came across being self-employed. Prior to that, I didn't have anybody in my life that had really been self-employed. So I didn't really have any influences in that. So I did that. My first introduction was to join um, a, a network marketing company. And that was an experience and a half. I can imagine. And it's not dissing network marketing companies because absolutely they can be the ground force for helping numerous people get into business. But for me, I was so naive. 
I was so naive. And it actually wasn't the company itself. It was the company that was attached to that. So you know that you kind of have like teams and mm. this team of people were like, hey, we're going to help you with your marketing. So you don't even have to do that. Hindsight is a wonderful thing. If wonderful. I knew then what I knew now, I knew that that wouldn't have been marketing. In fact, if somebody came to me now and said, this is what I'm doing, I'd be like, yeah. let's change all that. <laughs> um, so I wasn't struggling financially before, but I was most certainly struggling financially afterwards. And it made me feel really stupid. I felt oh, so silly because I'd put my family in such a trepidatious situation. And to be honest, it nearly stopped me ever running a business again. Oh my gosh. Um, it was horrendous. Um, but you've Lessons got two learned. choices. Exactly. Yeah. You've got two choices in life. You either look at that and go, oh my God, all these network marketing companies are rubbish. And, or you look and go, what did I do? Mm. what did I not realize what lesson is there in this for me to learn and that's the approach I took and I did take another I took another job actually working in a cleaning company because I thought well that's great that can work in and around the school hours and the lady that I was uh, working for kept asking me to join as a partner in a company and I was like "Mm -mm, it's not happening because I had such a bad experience the first time around I was like no anyway I got worn down to that and uh, I love the fact you started as a cleaner and then ended up owning it <laughs> I did and it was uh, it was amazing because we started off as a partnership and then I solely took on the company that is amazing but not only did I take on the company even as a partnership one of the things that that I've got a, a natural skill for is being able to see something how it is but more importantly, being able to see the potential of where something can become. Yeah. So I took that company from a domestic cleaning company to domestic and commercial. We got all of the council contracts, uh, which was huge at the time. My business partner then went, she was in a very abusive relationship and she got the courage to leave that. But in the process of leaving, she really needed to rediscover herself. And so I said, like, go and take six months, go and find you again. And then come back and let me know what your decision is of whether you still want to run the company or not. And she came back and said, you know, I don't really want to run the company. And she actually moved to Spain. So I was left with this situation of thinking, right, am I going to run this company? I had numerous different staff. And the, the business in itself taught me so much. It's taught, it taught me about being a boss. <laughs> it taught me about leadership. It taught me about management. It taught me so many aspects. But the one thing that I found extremely difficult which was my naivety again, was other people. It taught me so much about other people. Yeah. I was such a hardworking, ethical person. Yeah. That even like <laughs> in my shocked. early teens. Yeah. You know, I've been working ever since I was 13. So hard work wasn't really an issue for me. And, and if you had a job, you've got an obligation yeah. to go yeah. do it. So when people would come to me and they'd be born in the ride out because they really needed a job because they're going to lose their house. I'm like, my heart was like, oh my gosh no worries and I used to do all the training like obviously the day-to-day running of the of the company or all the other contracts I had staff to do that but I would always be the person to do the training because I needed a particular standard but what it also gave me the opportunity to do was really observe people I'm not a nosy person by nature I would never read anybody else's letters as soon as I ran that company I realized that that's not the norm <laughs> and privacy is a big is a big aspect of running a cleaning company. You need to know that you've got trustworthy staff because your clients need to know that their possessions and that their life is absolutely. 
Um, so when I would go and do the training, I would be watching for whether people would read other people's letters. Honestly, it's shocking to think uh, how many people did. And so, of course, then they wouldn't pass the trial period. And then I would be going through again. But you're always having to preempt them for being, uh yeah, interesting. Very important, Mm. very, very important. And I was never going to leave that to chance. No, yeah. Never going to leave that to chance because my reputation was on the line. I'm the person that runs the company. Mm. And also, I want to be able to walk away from that knowing that I've put people in there that are trustworthy and going to do a good job. But my point to this was the amount of people that then wouldn't turn up for the training. And I was so naive to begin with that in the area that I was living, it was notorious for car accidents. So if I'd been calling and I couldn't get hold of somebody, I'd be thinking, oh my gosh, they've had an accident. I'd ring around the hospitals, making sure that everybody was, because I knew that they had children. Like what if, (laughs) but it wasn't that, it was that lots of people just didn't turn up. Yeah. Um, And that can be an issue, especially when you've got that particular sector of the market. So I really learned about staffing and then I swore that I was never going to run a company again that had staff so I would go from one extreme to the other I sold to that company which was great was very lucrative and from that experience uh, we then had a change of circumstances moved to, to, to Devon I then worked as a trainer for a really large company um, that was also an interesting experience and then I became pregnant which was never meant to happen. I was told after Kaisha I couldn't have any more children. I'd suffered from women's issues for pretty much all my life. And so she was 13 at the time, 13 and a half, nearly 14. And I was like, I'm pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in a fairly new relationship after my previous relationship had uh, broken up. So that was a big shock for the person that I was with too. <laughs> um, it all comes at I once. <laughs> I know, absolutely. And then that left in another situation of like, right, okay. Uh, I was treated quite diabolically by the company of being pregnant. They were really trying to push me out of the training side of things and put me onto doing calls and this type of thing. And I wasn't having any of it. So at that point, it was like, right, again, two choices. You either accept this or you do something about it. And the parts I haven't mentioned in between because it's just so long is apart from the cleaning company, I'd also been one of the leading experts in the crafting industry helped run party plan company or set party plan companies up i would be the person that would design products if other companies design products was the go-to that they would want me to endorse it so it would be doing wholesale shows at the nec all those type of things demonstrating products all around the uk and sometimes abroad so i'd had a lot of different experiences in different companies and that company one of the ones I started from scratch for TJC Designs actually went bankrupt. You know, when the recession hit in 2009, that was probably one of the most difficult times, actually. Because on the radio, because that was back at the time when we listened to radio, (laughs) Yeah. every single day it was, everyone's going to lose their house, no one's going to have a job, everything's kind of going down. Mm. And at the time, I was living near Northampton. And Northamptonshire, a high street, nearly one whole street side of that high street, all the shops had closed down. There was only two shops open on the whole side. And I remember calling my accountant because I didn't have any orders, none. I didn't even have that from the time that I started the company. And to begin with, it was okay. I didn't worry because I had enough in the company to survive. And week after week went past. Less and less all the big companies that I'd previously had contracts with or liquidated 
So I also then didn't have any other income coming in from any kind of demonstrating or any endorsements or those types of things. And um, when I called my accountant, literally in tears, and an hour later, he's saying, I know that you said you don't, didn't want to go bankrupt, but I don't think you've got a choice. Wow. Oh, my God. So how do you go from selling, well, being a cleaner, buying the company, yeah. selling it, yeah. and having business go bankrupt? That is like end of one spectrum to the complete opposite end of that spectrum. Yeah, absolutely. And it really knocks your confidence. Yeah. And I think that there were so many different extremes in between that. And here's something that's, that's really interesting because I'm quite an observational um, personality now. And that's actually mainly come through different adversities, going through different therapies, but also from having different businesses and instead of thinking, I, I could have easily gone, it's a recession. And that's the whole reason my business failed, which at the time is exactly what I did. Mm. But actually reflecting now, I think, yeah, okay, so the recession happened. And yes, I was in an industry where it's a hobby. So the first thing that people are going right. to save on yeah. is their hobbies. However, if I'd have had a bit more business acumen at the time, if I'd have had the knowledge that I have now, I wouldn't have needed to go bankrupt. And in fact, if I'd have known now what I, if I'd have known then what I know now, I never would have gone bankrupt. I would have actually 100% disagreed with the accountant, which is a whole different other story because yeah. the repercussions of that are, are still are an issue Sorry. today, yeah. many years later. Mm. But I believe that even though you might not understand why you go through different challenges, those challenges help you to become the person that you are in this moment yeah and that's usually a much yeah a if much better if you'd have known then what you know now you wouldn't know it now if you hadn't been through it then exactly and also I wouldn't have the empathy to know when other companies are on the verge mm. I wouldn't have the empathy to know how they feel the roller coaster of emotions to then try to put those emotions in check to then put the logic in place to put the st strategy in place to then help them to get back into um, a place of profitability and then not just profitability but sustainability and growth if I hadn't have been through those experiences and it also gave me a certain kind of tenacity really to think right okay I need to make sure that I'm never in this situation again so one of the things I'd learned much later on is that you couldn't rely on one stream of income yeah and that was a massive lesson there were still more lessons to come, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, talk about doing things in stages. So in 2015, I literally remember being um, at my desk, my head in my hands, so close to just bursting into tears and holding that within because I knew that if I did, I just wouldn't stop. Uh, my eldest daughter was then 17. I had a three-year-old, a two-year-old, and a four-month-old. Wow. And all I remember thinking is, I don't have the answers right now because I was running four businesses so taking that multiple streams of income to the next level and oh, beyond four businesses four children yeah mm, wow <laughs> it, it was it was a lot wow but here's the here's the interesting part to that I had four businesses but they were all failing and I could not understand that because I'd had successes since then and I was like, what is going, why am I on this like roller coaster? Why am I having success? Then not success. Then the And as hard as that time was, because I was literally so close to a nervous breakdown. Yeah, on the end. And I just had to stop 
everything I had to stop everything I remember I literally did then go why I really need to get therapy I need to get help because I couldn't hold it together and I didn't want that to spill out onto my children Mm. but one of the things I realized is that I'd fallen into the trap that I'd seen other people do when they're trying to find that magic bullet you know the shiny penny syndrome the shiny object syndrome where you're thinking oh maybe this one's gonna work I was like why am I doing why am I even in that mindset And the answer to that was that I had this growing family that I didn't expect to have. You know, Nevea was a shock. I didn't know that we were going to have her. I didn't know it was going to be possible. Then being so elated at the fact that I could do that because I'd always wanted more children. And then thinking, okay, well, not sure if it's ever going to happen again. So we tried for grace. Roller coaster, can't you? Oh, massively. So we, we tried for grace and we had grace and we were like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. And then Alina popped along. Uh, we were kind of like, okay, I don't think that there's a problem anymore. <laughs> I think that might have gone. <laughs> yeah. And then ironically, uh, then we had Soraya. So even after precautions, I was like, the irony of this is not even funny. But that's a little bit later on. Um, so I'd got this new growing family that I was so incredibly blessed to have. And I felt blessed and I felt a lot of gratitude for that. But the pressure was immense the pressure was so big and the the issue with pressure is that you often fall into running things emotionally rather than logically yeah absolutely and sustainably you panic you have anxiety if fear is running your decisions then you're never ever ever going to get anywhere you can't take the step back that you need to be able to assess exactly and that was the problem that i'd fallen into i knew that everyone was going to rely on me I was going to be the answer to make sure that we had sustainability, that we had the finances. We're going to need a new house. I was also thinking, well, I want to make sure that the children have enough as we're growing up that I can say yes to all these school trips. I mean, I remember how much it was even for Kaisa. And I was like, oh my gosh. All of them, yeah. And I'm going to have three. And they're all so close together that it's going to be, oh, we've got a skiing trip. And oh, we're going off to Hawaii. Oh, we're going (laughs) all at the same time, you know. Uh, probably a slight extreme there. But, and then um, it's also World Book Week, so you have to dress them yeah. up. <laughs> the Tudor, yes. Harry Potter and everything else. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, so I basically got into panic mode. And the gratitude that I've actually got for that period of time is probably a weird irony. But having that and then stopping then made me go, right, what is it that I really want to do? And then I also had to answer a very hard question for me, and that is, what am I good at? Now, I've been brought up in a situation that I was always told I was never good enough. I was never going to amount to anything. I didn't have anything good about me, that I was always thinking above my own station. (laughs) So I've been suppressed for a lot of that, and that's, again, a whole other story. And went from that growing up into a relationship that then concreted that so going from the same cycles yeah exactly and I was put in this situation of almost having this breakdown I think to take stock and go you need to overcome that you need to work out that actually what is it that you're good at and and stop listening to those subconscious patterns that are constantly telling you that you're not good enough that you can't do something the imposter syndrome that we spoke off off uh, this show yeah imposter syndrome oh my gosh run rife still runs rife but I'm much better at handling it now but imposter syndrome was huge absolutely huge I've I call myself a lifelong learner because I love learning 
But prior to this, it was a need to learn because I needed to be able to prove that. So I'm like overqualified yeah. on yeah, so yeah, many I'm levels. Exactly the same. I did 40 <laughs> courses. I did yeah. 21 courses in a year on my first year. Wow. I just needed to prove to everybody that I knew enough. And I think it comes with a bit of time where you go, actually, I know enough. I don't need a piece of paper to do this. You know, I can. Exactly. Like, or you have the conversations with people and then you go, oh, I really do know my stuff. Yeah. Where did that come <laughs> from? I do actually know what I'm talking about. Exactly. So is it when you kind of had this kind of rock bottom, you know, where you kind yeah. of took stock, is that where the coaching started to come out? I mean, you'd had so many yeah. experiences in business. You'd had so many experiences personally, you know, dealing with not being able to have a family and then having a family and obviously having yeah. older children, younger children, balancing all of that, obviously exiting a really successful business. Is that where it all came together for you, do you think? Yeah, a hundred percent. Because when I, when I really had to take stock and look back and I was going, right, okay, what am I good at? One of the things that I realized was where is the commonality? And even back to running the cleaning company, when I did have the stuff, one of the things I was very good at was motivating them. But you also have to understand that motivation doesn't come in one form. You have to meet people where they are. Yeah. You need to have a higher vision for them, but you also need to then get that across in a way that they understand it, not where you understand it. That's a very different thing. And that company in itself taught me about management. And there are very big differences between people that can manage because they want to manage a company or if you can manage people mm. and managing people is a huge skill because we all learn differently we all take things in we've all got different motivations some of us are positively motivated we want to motivate towards goals other of us are fear motivated because we don't want to lose our job so you need to know that and actually even though the staff turnover was was a lot it taught me when I look back it really taught me and then I've got some members of staff that I'm still friends with today which is huge great uh, because of that so I looked back and was like what's the commonality what is it that lit me up but what also was it that I was good at and I had run other network marketing companies after that of teams of over 300 people wow but when you've got 300 plus people to look after and again, in a situation that people have come into this because they don't want to be in their circumstances anymore, that they've got very little money, which is why they're in it. Again, you've got different motivational levels. You've got different reasons for why people want to do something. So how you motivate those people, how you upskill them, yeah, exactly, is where I kind of realized, you know, one of the things I'm very good at doing is I'm very good at inspiring people, very good at empowering people. But even more importantly, I'm very good at being able to take somebody from where they are and then upgrade and upskill them to where they need to be. So I thought, well, maybe this whole kind of coaching thing can happen. And when I looked into it, I suppose before that, I hadn't really known it had massively existed. And I was like, oh, you can actually get paid. <laughs> the things that I've actually been doing since I was about 20. It's funny, my last podcast with Chris Dudley, he said he came across coach. He, he was like, oh, maybe I could do something to help people, to coach people. And when he found it online, he was like, oh, it already exists. I was like, exactly. He said, I thought I'd made coaching. And then I realized it was a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But the, um, the interesting part for me was I discovered that and I was kind of like, oh my gosh, you can actually get paid for the things that I've constantly been doing yeah. for free for other people. And I've missed out huge parts of, of the actual story because it's so long and it's got so many twists that I'd bore your audience. But one of the things that I did, especially when I ran my company, 
is I built my website. This was before you had, this is when you had to code things. I didn't know anything about code. One of the most successful things that I did was I used to do my newsletter via video. This was before YouTube existed. I used to get streamed to America and then streamed back again into people's inboxes. And I'd pay a lot of money for that. So there was a lot of innovation way above my, way above the time of technology, if you like. Mm. And so having that aspect of also being able to problem solve and think outside of the box, which is essential if you want to really help people to upscale and to grow their business and to have sustainability was also another part um, for me. So I've been doing that and I've been advising people about that, like I said, since my early 20s. <laughs> then when I discovered that you can get paid for that, I'm like, oh, could have been rich ages ago. <laughs> <laughs> could have, could that was the first thing. Ages ago. <laughs> yeah. But here's the irony of that. I was also like, but I'm not qualified, so nobody would take me seriously. Mm. Oh gosh, I really like. Regardless of the fact that you built companies up from nothing, been through bankruptcy, absolutely, yeah, would listen to you because you haven't got an MBA. (laughs) No, exactly. And so then I kind of sat on this kind of path of like taking course after course after course after course after course after course after course, and that's like kind of continued. And it's interesting because I think it's very important, and I've actually spoken about this actually on um, one of my podcast episodes. There's a very big difference between wanting to learn something because you need to upgrade your skills, and that's really important, versus this kind of fear of missing out of like, oh my God, I need to go and do that because that's going to be the thing that's going to make it okay, which actually comes from anxiety, and that anxiety yeah. actually comes from fear. Mm. And and that's never going to be the answer. So I wasted a huge amount of money. Now, I'm not saying that I regret that because I've learned something very important in each avenue that I've done. But what a way to have learned how to become the coach I am today. It could have been a much smoother path. But here's, here's the part that was so incredibly important about that. Along my journey, along understanding that there were numerous things that I needed to overcome emotionally from past traumas of childhood and experiences that I'd gone through as an adult, I learned much more about mindset. And the more I learned about mindset, the more I really wanted to learn about mindset because then I could suddenly see the patterns of like, now I understand why I would train this person up in this way. Now I've got the language to use as to why I would train that person in that way. Like, so now all of the information that I part instinctively knew was actually being met with the right language, with the right training. And that's why I say that I'm a business and mindset coach, because actually it's the mindset that is a huge aspect as to why we do what we do within our business. And I realized that I run numerous different businesses very emotionally and that's very reactional. So I was kind of much more putting out fires and much more uh, in a rush to make a decision rather than looking about the complexity as to how that would actually manifest over a period Mm -hmm. of time. Mm -hmm. Whereas that's, and that's where your strategies then kind of come into place. So I really became a coach in a, in a very kind of almost instinctual way, but not in a direct path. (laughs) (laughs) Is it Um, the best Paths very messy. Not very often do I hear from people that have kind of gone, oh yeah, I did X, Y, and Z and now I'm here. It is usually yeah. 
don't they say success is not one line it's kind of a squiggly one exactly and you know i have met people um and again this is this is not saying that this is wrong uh i've just met some people that have taken qualifications to become a business coach and i'm not sure that that does make the best business coach if you haven't been there and done it in the same way that when i was employed i used to think if you were a manager that just kind of left college or university and you came in at manager level yeah. very few of them made effective managers but if you worked your way up the ranks and became manager because you understand what it is at each level and if you're going to come in even if it, yeah it is and even if you come in as a director of a company it's incredibly important to go and understand each level of the company that you are running and that you are directing because otherwise you cannot make effective decisions. Yeah. And also um, I tried to do the same in my business. We've got a, a number of arms to our kind of methodology and I've got people that deliver on each side of that, but I try and learn the basics of everything. Yeah. One, I want to be able to effectively communicate what I need to them. They need to understand what I'm communicating. So I need to have some kind of knowledge. And two, I would never want them to ask me something and me go, I've got no idea what you're talking about because it all, almost makes them feel like you really don't care about what I do for a job. And mine comes from a similar experience. I had a really, really horrendous boss and she was when I was employed and she basically got into the position through default. She'd been there 22 years. So they were like, well, we'll promote this lady because she's been here for so long. And yeah. She didn't have a clue what I did from business, for my job. She put my targets up and up and up and up every time I hit them, which was the most demotivating thing ever because she was just like, well, I'll just make more money out of you then. Seeing as you've achieved this, we'll just make more money and more money and more money. It goes on and on and on. And ultimately what I learned was I had no respect for her. I had no respect whatsoever. I was out on the road. I was a rep. Every time she phoned me, I'd ignore the call because I think the passive aggressive approach is the best way to deal with things. So I would just ignore her, which would then make her worse because she's trying to micromanage (laughs) me and I wouldn't let her. And it just gets into this really toxic relationship pattern, which on a small scale between one and two, me and her is probably, you know, pretty minor I'm really self-motivated so I was good at my job I was achieving all of everything I needed to achieve I just wouldn't going to be micromanaged by her but then you scale up to thousands of employees and or even a team on a smaller scale the knock-on effect that that has is huge so I think yeah. all of these things come in to kind of teach us the better way of motivating people, morale, productivity, mindset, like you said, it's very yeah. slippery slope, I think, if you don't do that properly. Yeah, I think so. And I think, again, you as a person, you need to look at every situation that you've been in and go, what's the lesson for me to learn here? Mm, absolutely. Um, I remember, I remember um, temping for a while, you know, so where you'd go and work for one company for a little while and then you'd go and work for another company. And I needed to go and work for two weeks within this particular company. And the actual, the guy that was running the company was really nice. And his wife was also part managing. And she was probably one of the worst. She was one of the ones that I think that because it was a very male dominated industry, she thought that the way to handle that was to come in and be very bolshy. Yeah. And be very like, this is what I say and this is what you do. And I remember her treating me like I was absolute rubbish. Mm. And it was very interesting because even back then, and I was quite young at the time because this was like one of my very first experiences. Even then, I knew that I was never going to be that. That was never where I was going to destined to be. Mm. And I remember turning around to her. <laughs> like, I think it was, how old was I? 
maybe 21, 22, so I wasn't that old. I remember turning around to her and saying, you should be very careful how you treat people because I might be this person one day, but I might be your boss the next. Oh, yeah, so just be um, careful. Absolutely. And it was a very good lesson for me to also think that not only did I really internally feel that, and I 100% internally, and the irony of that is that I could quite easily uh, be in that arena now as a partner for that particular company. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that, that um, has like a full circle situation as well. Um, so not only was that a very important part for me to know that I'd never intentionally um, thought of myself as being at one level. I always knew that I was going to be much higher, but it was also a lesson for me to know that you should always be very careful how you treat people and that I have very much the treat people how you want to, to be treated. And I think that that's that part of inspiring and empowering people. And especially as women, like even more so did I think it was important to make sure that you empower them to be better, to be more, because otherwise where do we end up? We just like end up being um, suppressed all the time. And I'd already had enough of suppression, thank you very much. So I wasn't going to ever, yeah, I was never going to accept that from um, another person when I knew that there was a choice. Strangely enough, she actually asked me to leave that company. Um, And I remember, I I remember her actually saying to me, and she went, and you can take that top off because we're in a company one. I have no idea what my face did. Uh, I have been told I'm very expressionate, but whatever my face did, she went on second thought, she can take it home, wash it and made it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure what happened, but I must have changed that kind of... Did she think you were going to kind of like take it off in the middle of the office and just throw it on a desk and walk out in a bra or something? (laughs) I don't know, but I wouldn't have put it past me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Girl power. Um, So there's many experiences that I've had, but I suppose I'm fortunate enough to go back and especially as I've got older, to go back and think, right, what could I have done better? How could I have handled that better? Because the other thing that that it's important to know is that we all have our own triggers. And sometimes we might react in a certain way because we've got issues ourselves. So it's like, it's also understanding that there wasn't anything that I was doing in that moment. It was a trigger for her. I obviously showed her something in herself that she doesn't like. Yeah. And maybe it was being relaxed in a situation and not feeling like you're having to tread on eggshells. Maybe that was it. Who knows? But as a coach, that's a very important part for me to know about people is to not be triggered by them, is to understand that they may be triggered by what I'm asking them to do or suggesting or things that come up within the company that need to be done. Because sometimes we can take it very personally. If we look at the figures, and you must go through this yourself, when you look at the figures of a company in particular, money is a very emotive situation. Yeah, definitely. So if you're saying to people, okay, we can do some cost cutting here, the very first thing that people think is, oh my gosh, you're going to ask me to get rid of my staff. It's not necessarily about getting rid of people because actually they can be very enhancing towards your company. Um, It's much more about looking where there's wastage that doesn't need to actually happen. Mm. The other part that can also happen is that people then think, what, so you're telling me that I don't know my own company? (laughs) You know, they can get... The ego comes up. Absolutely. So it's really important to know about human psychology Mm. because otherwise you change as a coach. And that's, that's a very important part. People don't hire me because they want me to, um, meet somebody where they're at. 
they hire me because they need me to take them somewhere else. And that sometimes means that I am not really your friend. <laughs> I'm your coach. There's a very, the very big things. difference. Yeah, you yeah. have to say the hard things. And I think you're absolutely right. We, we've, we've seen it as well. And you have to deal with different clients in different ways. Some people, yes. have got, some people have got an issue in one area. Others have got issues in different areas. You can't treat them all the same. It needs to be able to approach to a certain degree to make sure that you're getting the best out of them and absolutely you have to have so many different approaches as any type of coach consultant business owner anyone that's worked with clients you've got to have so many different approaches in your box to be able yeah. to kind of and and the acumen to be able to figure out what you need I think that is really essential I've seen so many times that clients have come to us from previous companies and I've been like why have they done that why have they told you to do that even things like they need fast results and they're talking about maybe changing things to SEO and it's going to take 10 weeks. And I'm like, if you need fast results, why are they, you know, you're just not listening to, yeah. not listening to what you need. So I think having the acumen and understanding and listening is, is really paramount to be able to do the best that you can, I think. It is. And I think also one of the other aspects that is a, a great skill set for me is understanding when people are doing things out of fear yeah you know a lot of the time people will flip from coach to coach or mental to mental and it's always at a time when actually the fear is at the highest where they're going oh this doesn't work <clears throat> this is not working leave it. Um, and then they go and try and find another external solution by choosing somebody else and what you're actually looking for is you're looking for somebody to agree with you but if you want success you have to get to the other side of your comfort zone yeah um so it's important to help coach somebody through that it's important to recognize that that is actually what's happening but to help them to understand that that's what's happening yeah they'll replay the same cycles as well so they'll go yes. find someone else replay the same cycle it doesn't work find someone else replay the same cycle it doesn't work and it just keeps going round and around so you really need to find somebody who recognizes those cycles and actually breaks out of it and that you need to break out of it i had a really yeah. interesting situation which was similar and it was the same about cutting costs and unfortunately it was uh, very fear-based and they found it very difficult to be able to do that and so many other things come into play it's not about what's on the surface level quite often it's what run deep what runs really yeah under that how do you think what do you think has kind of been the theme of how you help your clients what is the kind of why do they come to you and what do they want to achieve you think and I think the theme is the theme for me is that I know that I can get people results and it's life-changing and that you can't have a bad day <laughs> I think that's the one of the best parts you can't have a bad day because it is life-changing and it's life-changing because not only do you help somebody throughout their business to be much more successful, but you help them. Mm. You help them to understand them on a much deeper level. You help them to be much more successful. And interestingly, successful doesn't always mean that you've got Same more money. Everybody, no. No. It can be that they have to boil in their own. It means that they feel better as a business person. It might mean that they feel um, it might mean that they actually feel successful themselves rather than striving to want to reach this goal then I'll feel successful once I reach this then I'll feel successful so I think uh, that's the common theme for me what attracts people to me to hire me is I think that they look at me as a little bit different 
um, that it's not just, okay, so we're just going to take you through this process and that's the only thing that we're going to cover. It's actually very much about asking the right questions in the first place. It's like, what is it that you actually see yourself being? Where is it that you want to be? And then it's actually identifying, okay, why do you think you haven't got that right now? Mm. And it's drawing out of then those self sabotaging, self-limiting kind of behaviors. And I do that with people right from the off. So it's very transparent that it's a very different process that I actually yeah. use. Yeah, yeah. And then it's about looking at, okay, so if this is what we've got going on, is it a strategy that we need? We've talked about automation and automation is a huge part. A lot of uh, entrepreneurs, as, as successful as they might be on, on, on a particular level, the amount of fear that there's behind about automation because we like to feel like we're in control. Control, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But if you're in control of, of everything, you're actually in control of nothing. Yeah. So I also help people to understand where they need to automate, where they need to release the control, where they need to outsource, where they need to have employees. And that's also a very big factor. So then the, the, the result that they actually have is that they have much more success, but mm. they've got sustainability, that they've got growth. I mean, I talk about um, the... I came up with uh, five power principles for female entrepreneurs. And this is, so we've spoken a bit about this uh, beforehand, but it's understanding what your business purpose is. That's huge. That's a massive part of it. We all understand, or most of us understand what our personal why is. And that is an important part, but things that other people miss, other experts miss, is your business purpose. And that's extremely important. So I take um, people through five power principles for female entrepreneurs. And we've spoken a little bit about this, about how important it is to have your business purpose. You know, a lot of experts talk about your personal why, which is great, but you also need to have your business why. That's a hugely important part of it. Then it's about people, like exactly who is it that you're targeting? And we've spoken again before that you have normally more than one ideal client. Then I also talk about the planning part of your business. So that's another huge aspect that, a lot of people have got sections of that missing. And then I talk about profitability. Profitability, if you haven't got that, you don't have a business, you've got a hobby. Yeah. And, then we talk about, and then we talk about progression. Because if you're not going to scale your business, then what are you in business for? So where's, where's the end for you as the entrepreneur? Where is the end for you in this experience within this business? And so I take people through that particular process as well. And in between that, as you can probably imagine, there's much more learning about you as an entrepreneur of getting you centered and in yourself. You are reacting to certain aspects, how you are progressing or, um, Elena Cardone actually says you're either with every single decision you're making, you're either building your empire or you're destroying it. Mm. And I think that's so powerful. Isn't yeah, that's so true. Yeah. And that's why I help people to understand about their mindset because it's not usually the business processes that are doing that. There are some that can be improved and can make sustainability and profitability much better, yeah. but it's usually people's mindset that's getting in the way. So, so in just a couple of sentences, what would you say yeah. are the biggest things that you would give to your clients that the listeners could take away to be able to help them in their businesses? What would you kind of say is the best top tips for coaching? Okay, so... Oh, that's kind of almost like two different questions. So okay. let me answer the first one. So the, the thing that I think that I give people is that I help them to have businesses that support their family. Yeah. I help them to have businesses that will give them time freedom, that will give them financial freedom, and more importantly, give them choice freedom. And then my top tips for coaching as a whole for people for, within their businesses is that you need one. 
because you can yeah you need one and that's not just because I want to plug myself it's because you only know what you know you need to have somebody else that can see a much bigger vision and help you to reach vision without the current limitations that you've got internally so that's definitely the first thing the second thing that I would say is that you need to take action even if it feels uncomfortable because again you've been in this groove of where you are and that's got to where you are now and that's great but if you want to progress further you're going to have to do something differently and that means taking action yeah so that would be the next thing and the next thing about making sure that you have a coach I guess is it's not just about whether you like that person because liking is great but you can like your best friend, but they're not going to help you to get where you need to be. It's do they have the resources, the tools, the acumen, and do they have the balls <laughs> to help you to get where you want to be? Because sometimes they're going to have to say things to you which feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. and you need to have the right person to be able to do that. How does everybody get in touch with you? You've got a podcast as well, which I, I would love to send people to go and listen to, Women Rocking Business. Yep. So you can find Women Rocking Business. That's on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Omni Studio. We've also got a Women Rocking Business Facebook page, and it's Rockin without the G. And also on Instagram, so you can find us on there. You can also find me personally at Tracy, which is T R A C I Cornelius C O R N E L I U S dot com. You can also find me on Facebook. Luckily, with that kind of. <laughs> spelling and that name you'll easily find me on uh, facebook on instagram and on linkedin too thank you so much for coming on tracy it's been an absolute pleasure and never have i met anybody that's had five girls and multiple businesses (laughs) at the same time (laughs) you can tell me i'm superwoman but i think uh, you you can take that crown you can take yours I'll have one made up specially. <laughs> yeah, definitely, with TC on it, on, the, on your crown. Thank yeah. you so much for coming on and um, speak to you again soon. Yeah, take care, Sonia. Thank you. Bye, bye. Bye. Watching you, watching you, watching you.